Hello, and welcome to Be My Guest. Today, I'm going to talk to Janice Fuller-Roberts. She is a volunteer coordinator for CNS Hospice, and we're going to be talking about battling mental health. Welcome, Janice. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, Well, as you said, I'm currently the volunteer coordinator for CNS Hospice, and CNS Hospice is Metro Detroit's only Black-owned hospice company, so I have to put that plug in there. Um, And I'm excited today to talk about um, a subject that I'm very passionate about, and that is mental health and uh, mental illness, especially in the Black community. Oh, thank you. So now tell me, um, a volunteer coordinator, yes. how do you know so much about mental health? Tell me a little bit. Well, it, while it's not my field of study or whatever, I have been battling my own mental illness for three and a half decades now. Wow. And so I've done a lot, a lot of what I know I have done, you know, my own personal research on and also through my own personal experiences, having kind of been on the front line, so to speak, for off and on for, for decades now. Wow. That, I, I, as many years as I've known you, I had no idea. Yeah, so, most people don't unless I tell you. <laughs> yeah, so tell me how did how did you get started? I mean, well, for me, um, you know, I've always been interested in the subject matter. Um, I almost majored in psychology in college, but took a different route. Um, but for me, you know, my uh, I became symptomatic in my late adolescence, early twenties you know, between 19 and 21. And um, so for me, you know, it started back then. And um, this is in the mid, in the mid, early to mid 80s. And there wasn't a lot of talking about mental health issues back then. Um, It was all very hush-hush. You kept it in the family. Um, I was blessed to be in a family that valued mental health intervention and understood the value of, you know, getting help. It wasn't swept under the rug or anything like that. So I, um, you know, was blessed to be in a family that embraced, you know, the modern view of mental mental illness. So I was able to get help at a young age. But, you know, like many illnesses, oftentimes mental illness can be something that you battle for your entire life. So, you know, there's no necessarily cure for some of the mental illnesses and diseases that are out there. You just sort of manage them over time. Yeah, that, that can be pretty scary, especially when you're young. And, yeah. and it has such a negative connotation that, you know, p- because people don't know um, and they don't do the research and they don't understand it. So they, sh- you know, kind of sh- stray away from people that have mental health illnesses or they they don't know how to deal with it. Right. Right. And they don't know how to talk about it. And, you know, everybody, everybody knows somebody that's battling mental illness. You just may not know it. Um, you know, if you think back to the stories you would hear about 
uncle so-and-so, oh, he's just not right. That's just his way. Or aunt so-and-so, oh, she's just, you know, she's having one of her spells or, you know, she's <laughs> tripping right now. Right. Or, you know, she does that. You know, we've always dealt with it in our own way, but we've never really talked about it in an open way. And because there is so much stigma attached to it, you know, that so few so few people actually seek the help they desperately need and a lot of it is because of the stigma yeah go ahead i was just gonna say you know and the and and this the, the worst thing about the stigma is that um it makes battling mental illness a very lonely thing you know when if you when you reveal that you have a diagnosis of cancer, for example. You know, your friends and family family will rally around you. They'll volunteer to take you to get your chemo. They'll shave their head in solidarity. They'll, you know, there's all this communal help or whatever. But the minute that disease, you change that disease, disease from cancer to say schizophrenia or, you know, bipolar or anxiety, or major depressive disorder, all of a sudden, all that help and support kind of freezes up. It is because people are scared. They're scared to be associated with it. They're scared to be labeled crazy, and they don't know. And and when you and we fear what we don't know, right? And you know, so that that you know, it, it turns a lot of people off. People don't want to talk about it, right? You know? um, when I had, um, I'm a I'm a heart patient, and I had. Um, that way back in 2012, I had triple bypass. People still to this day will ask, how is my health regarding my heart? Right. But having publicly disclosed, for example, that um, it's been two years ago now, that when, when I was hospitalized for mental illness, rarely does anybody ask, oh, how's how's the depression going or whatever. They'll, they'll ask about, you know, my triple bypass from 2012 more often than they'll ask about you know my mental health the state of my mental health so it's just it's it's just hard it makes it long the the stigma makes it lonely yeah i can imagine i i didn't even know so i mean i feel bad now because i I, I don't feel bad it's not (laughs) like i it's not like i you know advertise it or whatever but it's you know but i'm not unusual more people than not have had battles over the course of their life with mental illness whether they got you know professional help for it or not everybody has gone through things um right I can understand that I mean it's like we all kind of go through our periods of maybe a little lows and highs here depression there you know (laughs) but unless you really you know go and seek help um for when it gets really bad you you don't even you don't know i guess it's yeah you don't and and so few people are willing to actually seek help because you know seeking help for something like a mental illness is still viewed by many as a weakness right or well you know what you need is you need to get back into church and you need to right. you know <laughs> talk to the pastor about it and you need to you know, so, and I, I, I think especially in the black community, there is a, a, a very justifiable distrust, distrust for the medical establishment. 
Yeah. Um, which it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, even if you just take what's going on, you know, with this, with the pandemic and the disparity in access to treatment and tests and everything for black people, and, you know, there's a lot of distrust when it comes to, you know, the medical establishment, understandably. So it's even doubly so when it comes to matters of the brain or the mind or, you know, mental health. It's even more so. So that makes it hard. It, it makes it hard for people to actually get help. Yeah. But even if you even if you overcome that, even if you get past the stigma and you recognize that you are in a place where you do need to get some professional help, the biggest problem is having culturally competent and access to really good quality mental health care is often the biggest barrier. Like I said, even if you get past the stigma and the embarrassment of seeking help, finding help then becomes a big problem. Um, only 2% of all of the psychiatrists in the um, United States are African-American. Only 2% of all psychologists in the United States are African-American. And only 4% of all social workers in the United States are African-American. So, you know, finding someone with the cultural competence to actually adequately treat you then becomes an even bigger issue than the stigma you fought to even seek out the treatment. And that's a real problem. Yeah. Um, that's a real problem. You know, when I was hospitalized um, in 2018, all of the psychiatrists, the, the psychiatry staff, there were no African-American, and, and mind you, I was in a, a hospital in a in a predominantly black city. Wow. And still, on the psychiatry level, yes, there were nurses and aides and, you know, other in other professions, you know, black people were, were very represented. However, when you get to psychiatry and psychology, those departments, there was, I did not see a single black person represented in those fields. Wow, that's sad. And that, and it is sad. And it really was the, the head psychiatrist, my first psychiatrist that I had while I was in the hospital could not connect with me at all. He tried. He tried. But he could not, he, he had no idea how to relate to me as an African, a middle-aged African-American woman. Right. And, you know, he, tr and, and to his credit, he tried, but all, it seemed like all he did was watch some black TV shows from the 70s <laughs> and, and then try to apply the language and terminology to his encounters with me. And it was it was really actually kind of sad to watch. <laughs> wow. It would have been funny if it weren't so incredibly sad. Wow. Fortunately, fortunately, the psychiatrists weren't the ones that, you know, they were really just kind of monitoring the medications. They weren't the ones engaging in the actual therapeutic uh, treatments of anything like that. So, yeah. fortunately, because it was, it was sad. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, it's like when I um, seeked out therapists from depression, I was looking for a a black therapist, you know, mm -hmm. psychologist. I had had a, a, a white woman, the first person I had gone to that was um, 
my psychologist and she was great I really really liked her but then mm-hmm. she left the practice and there was no forwarding information so I, I felt like wow really you know and then I had another one um, and she was great and she was black she was African American and um, we ended up becoming friends so being friends you can't really right. be my therapist you know so right. and, and she told me I'm like why not you know but she's right and then after that I've had problems trying to find a black therapist and, and you're right if you want somebody that can relate to you yes you know because I, I always I, I think that I have well I know I have eating issues and so my thing was to find someone that I could talk to that dealt with overeating but that was black that and that worked in that area and there was nobody nobody I could find I believe it I absolutely believe it and that's really horrible and that and and this is what we need to do we need to be encouraging our young people to go into these fields because it's a huge vacuum you know um, of people and and having food issues and being african-american is totally different than treating say a white woman with eating issues you know what i mean right there, there are there are certain things around food that's part of our culture it's part of our family i mean there are a lot of reasons why you need somebody that can really relate to you and understand where you're coming from to be able to effectively treat you around your eating issues you know um i mean not to be crass but some you know some skinny little white lady isn't necessarily gonna get it right exactly (laughs) exactly Um, and you know and and so therefore and and think Think that. Think about your issues around food, and then look at all the women that you know, all the black women you know. Clearly, there are a lot of people that have issues around food and could really benefit from a, a good quality mental health intervention around their issues with, you know, eating and food. And yet, you couldn't find anybody. Right. You've got decent insurance. You yeah. Know? through the schools somebody like me that's underinsured or uninsured it really is really really hard and that's why you know whenever there is for example a celebrity suicide or um you know or something major that hits the news that centers around mental health you know everybody is really well meaning on their social media posts and they'll say you know mental health is real health help is available let me put this number will 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 two of my friends put up this number to let you know that someone is always listening and everything and and that's all great i think that's wonderful but what it doesn't really what what doesn't really happen is that there isn't anybody on the other end of that phone line for us, yeah. for black, for black people, for black women, black men, black girls, black boys. You know that. You know, get help is available. Get you know, call, ask for help. All you have to do is ask. That's not true. Help isn't necessarily readily available unless you have really good insurance, or you know a whole lot of money right um so you know so it so it is it is a problem but but the good news is is that 
Um, and the, and I and I think this is one of the good things to come out of you know the internet and social media and everything is that more people are talking about mental health issues more than ever now. Yeah, they are. And and so I'm I'm hopeful. You know. Um, you know, eight years ago, I don't know that I would have wanted to come on a podcast and talk about talk about it openly, but I kind of decided that it was my mission to because I see so many people hurting and I know what it's like to not be able to get help when you desperately need it. And um, so I've kind of made it my mission that I'm going to keep talking about it. And I think that the more people, the more we talk about it and just have basic conversations, the better it gets. You know, and maybe more young black people will go into the fields of psychiatry and psychology so that there will be more, you know, people available for us. But um, I'm optimistic because people are talking more. That's Um, true. They are. But you still have a lot of people who think a mental, having a mental illness or disease is a sign of weakness. And that's a problem. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate because you'll have people out here that need help that won't seek it and will either end up hurting themselves or someone else or someone else. And that's and that's the thing. Untreated mental illness leads to somebody dying, whether it's somebody dying in a mass shooting at the hands of somebody with an untreated mental illness or self-harm or, you know, out-and-out suicide attempts by, you know, the person that has it. It, There's, it's, so many of our society's problems can be traced back to unresolved mental health issues. Yeah. Um, Although, I do want to say, I do want to use this platform and this opportunity uh, to take a moment and say, especially given all the, everything that's going on, especially with this past week, um, that you're going to see a lot of people talking about how, oh, these racists, they must they must be mentally ill and, you know, they're just crazy or whatever. And I just want to make caution everybody from saying those types of things because that further adds to the stigma of people that battle mental illness. Um, racism is a choice. Mental illness is not. So... Before we start labeling all these, you know, horrible racists as crazy or sick or mentally ill, let's, you know, not do that because perfectly mentally healthy people do horrible things all the time. And, you know, when somebody is a racist and hell bent on killing black people, that isn't necessarily a sign of mental illness. That's a sign of that person being a horrible person. Not everybody with a mental illness is a bad person. So I think we just need, I wanted to just throw that out there, given everything that's going on right now in our country in terms of race relations and racist incidents and everything. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Janice. I I really enjoy talking to you about this because so many people out there do. Um, battle with mental health and they need to seek out help if they need it and not be afraid to. you have any suggestions or any closing remarks you want 
want to say? Um, yes, I want to say, even though we're talking about how there's a lack of culturally competent mental health professionals out there, I do want to say that some help is still better than none. And that you may not find your perfect therapist or mental health professional the first time out. And that sometimes you can't, you may have to shop around for someone who's a good fit for you. And to not give up seeking help. It's so discouraging that, you know, you may find somebody that you want, that you think will be great, but they don't accept your insurance. Or you don't have the right kind of insurance to seek out this and all you can do is this. Whatever you can do, even if it's teletherapy, phone therapy, text therapy, get some help. Don't let the lack of black therapists, for example, stop you from still trying to get help from somebody. You know, getting help, even if, it, even if it's not culturally competent, is still, in my opinion, better than leaving it leaving it untreated well thank you again janice for all this information well thank you for having me i'm delighted to i'd be happy to come back and talk some more thanks bye bye this is monique guest and this has been a be my guest production signing off